Hey, what's going on there, everybody? Welcome back to the Double Down WNBA podcast. We made it. 2020 w, uh, 2021, rather, uh, WNBA season is already underway. We are back with you, breaking down the uh, opening Saturday games. Um, alongside Stephen Trinkwald, this is Eric Nemchak. Stephen, are you ready to talk some basketball? I am, yeah. Full weekend of games. Uh, saw an in-person basketball game Friday night. Very, nice. very exciting uh, and a pretty good slate of games over the weekend as well. Uh, we had some really exciting games. We had some games that were a bit of a slog over the weekend, but we're going to talk about the two Saturday games, the Aces in the Storm, as well as Chicago versus Washington. Let's start with the one that was a little bit more competitive uh, with the two teams a little bit closer to full strength. Any overarching thoughts on, on Seattle versus Vegas and kind of what you, I guess, had expected before we kind of really dive into what happened? I think the game for like the first five or six minutes, that was kind of more of what I expected as far as the Aces really playing to their advantages. But what I expected was um, the Aces uh, dominating on the boards and dominating at the free throw line, which kind of didn't really happen. This, of course, a, a rematch of last year's uh, finals, 2020 WMA finals. The Storm, I was expecting to come out a little sluggish, particularly defensively, because we talked about this plenty already, but losing both Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard, two of the best defensive players in the world, and I was concerned how they would match up against this team in particular. Yeah, and particularly when we got to understanding what the starting lineups were going to be for these two teams, Seattle ended up going with Candace Dupree and Katie Lou Samuelson starting in the front court alongside their kind of big three of Stuart Bird and Jewel Lloyd. And then Vegas, uh, after the unfortunate injury to Angel McCautry uh, a, a little while ago, they ended up starting, and we'll see if this is the case throughout the season, Raquana Williams and Jackie Young alongside Chelsea Gray, Asia Wilson, and Liz Cambage. Any kind of like first thoughts on, on the starting lineups? And if you liked kind of the direction that these teams went with the starters and, you know, we'll obviously get into the rotation a little bit more, but what did you just think about the starting fives? Well, I was a little, um, I mean, heading into the game, I was really interested to see what Seattle was going to do because we talked about this a lot, but, um, you know, they had the option of either playing Stewart at the five or Stewart at the three, but they kept her at the four and starting Dupree, at uh, quite undersized center, which was, which was a choice, you know, against this 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 Aces team, and I think it played out exactly how you or I how you or I would have expected it to. Um, and then Samuelson getting the start, she played 23 minutes. DNP for Kennedy Burke, Makia Herbert Harrigan, I believe, is still having visa issues, but she, she's not. Um, she didn't play either. She was on the sidelines. Oh, was she? Okay. All right, that's that's interesting. I'm wondering if that's going to be something that they're just going to kind of uh, ease her into because they have so many options there at the three. But yeah, you know, Samuelson, I think that was an interesting decision until I saw what the Aces were doing. And you have Raquanda Williams, who's, you know, maybe not really a threat anywhere besides beyond the three-point line. And then Jackie Young, who's not really a threat from beyond the three-point line. So you have some, how, how what's like, like you have some ability to hide your worst perimeter defenders, you know, when you're going up against the Aces. So interesting choices there. Yeah, and I thought Seattle started to do that a little bit early on. You know, they stuck Sue Bird on Raquana Williams, just kind of thinking, you know, Williams is is really a situational offensive player, like is going to get a lot of spot-up opportunities. Isn't You know, she's not really going to put her shoulder into Sue Bird too much and, and get all the way to the basket or anything like that. And, you know, I don't know if Bird eventually just got tired of kind of running around all those screens for Raquana Williams, but she did, you know, switch all over to Jackie Young as the game progressed. And Young was able to get some pretty good looks, you know, with Bird guarding her. But I think overall it was a pretty a net positive for Seattle as Bird was very aggressive, you know, shading off of Jackie Young when she didn't have the ball. And uh, Jackie ended up finishing the game on 12 points uh, on 15 shooting possessions. So, you know, she got some pretty good looks in the paint in that kind of closer mid-range shot that, that she's become so good at. But uh, overall, not too effective of a game for Young, I think. Well, and, and if you're talking about Bird as like a defender, obviously you're going to want to hide her. She's not a great individual defender, but as a team defender, I think she's she's got the basketball IQ to kind of give opponents the shots that you want them taking. And within a within a scheme like this, that, that's you, you made a good point. Like Jackie Young, if your if your defensive possession ends in a Jackie Young mid range shot, that's fine. You know, especially if you have Wilson and Cambage on the floor, right? Yeah, you're feeling pretty good kind of about you know, what you had done for the defensive possession. Right, right. So like you had said, we, we kind of expected some things you know, from this matchup, Seattle to kind of dominate a little bit more from behind the arc, Vegas to do a little bit more 
uh, in terms of their their free throw advantage and, and points in the paint. Seattle able to get to the line more frequently than Vegas in this game. And then, you know, Vegas was able to get the advantage in points in the paint. Vegas was able to get into the restricted area more frequently as well, but only finished 60% in the restricted area compared to Seattle's 81% shooting in there. So Seattle just able to generate a couple cleaner or a lot cleaner looks there, you know, from, from two and from three, as I guess can be expected because this was a lot closer to the Seattle offense that, you know, we had been used to seeing rather than maybe the one that we thought, I guess, might, might not be quite as sharp coming into the year. I guess where I kind of wanted to start here was for Seattle, like the Candace Dupree starting was a, a little bit of a, an issue for them. You know, they got out to a, a nine point deficit and that really kind of turned around when Samuelson and Dupree exited the game for Steph Talbot and Ezzie Magbiger. And, you know, Seattle started the game with Stewart on Liz Cambage and Cambage was able to pick up like two quick falls, uh, one on Stewart and one on a perimeter player. I forget who it was. I think it might've been Samuelson in the first minute of the game. And, you know, things were kind of up and down for Cambage over the course of the game as, as we'll get to, but that first kind of substitution for Seattle when they went with uh, Magbiger and Talbot over and Samuelson and Dupree exited the game. Like that's kind of where, uh, you know, they were down nine at that point. And then they ended up, you know, leading after the first quarter and they kind of never really looked back. Yeah. The, the whole um, Dupree starting in the front court there. I mean, she had a bad offensive game, um, which, and if, but if she has a bad offensive game, like if those long twos aren't falling for her, I, I'm just not convinced about how much convinced by how much of a defensive impact she can make for this team. And this was a prime example why. Granted, this may be a little bit of an extreme example because of just how much bigger Wilson and Cambage are than Dupree. But I mean, when when Cambage picked up those, when she drew those two early fouls, I'm like, man, she is going to attempt like 20 free throws in this game. But the Aces didn't really stick with it. But yeah, it, it was, I mean, all you really need to do is look at the, the plus minus and see what the story was, right? Dupree minus seven in a in a 14-point victory, Ezzy Magwiger plus 24 in 14 minutes. That's that's a pretty significant split there. Yeah, team worst minus seven for Dupree. Uh, I think Samuelson was the only other player for Seattle that was in the negative overall. Uh, but this is, I think, as you were kind of alluding to, a particularly poor matchup for Dupree uh, on both ends. You know, one, she, she just doesn't have the sides defensively. And Seattle definitely tried to avoid the Dupree guarding Cambage matchup whenever they could and Seattle's other defenders Stewart and Magbiger they they ended up doing pretty well on Cambage but anytime Cambage was able to get Dupree down on the block it was an automatic two points uh, and offensively as you mentioned it was a rough one for Candace 12 points on 16 shooting possessions you know she was able to score her inside shots pretty well but was over on kind of the long twos um, I think she had one kind of mid-range to um you know, maybe 12 feet or so on the, on the right baseline. And that was really all she was able to kind of get on, on those kind of wide open jumpers that, that she likes so much. But, you know, offensively, I think her floor game looked pretty good. You know, she was moving without the basketball. She was uh, passing it well, you know, flinging around extra passes. I think her extra passing, you know, she didn't play a selfish game by any means in terms of kind of forcing her own shot. But the thing is, is like the shots that she ended up getting, you know, were, really wide open looks and one you you don't want to extra pass out of those because those are like the best opportunities you're going to get when the defense right. isn't around um, but the other thing is she wasn't really able to convert convert too many of those and even if you know she was there like I said I think she had maybe um, she had six field goals and I, I think you know four of them were right around the rim and then she kind of uh, really struggled with her jumper so a bit of a uh, discouraging first game uh, for Dupree. Um, but again, I thought she moved well without the ball. You know, there was one play early in the game where she kind of uh, went to set the ball screen, um, but then, you know, didn't set the ball screen and kind of uh, uh, went to set the off ball screen for Brianna Stewart and Stewart got like a wide open three at the top of the key for that. Uh, you know, she, she ended up missing that shot, but it was, it generated a really good look and, you know, Dupree as a screener, I think she had a, a pretty good game. Um, but Obviously, just being a screener isn't enough if you're playing really poor defense and, you know, scoring 12 points on 16 shooting possessions. Well, it's it's good that you brought that up because um, this is why I think both of us kind of came around on the Candace Dupree signing is that her basketball IQ is just so high and particularly in moving out the basketball. Like this is a Seattle team, as they showed once again, that moves the basketball so well and, and so crisply that those, even though 
we don't like the long two. I mean, those open long twos are going to fall for Dupree. And if she gets a favorable matchup, she is going to take it off the dribble and, and probably score at the rim. So like a bad opening game, but like I said, an ex- kind of an extreme example, a bad matchup for her personnel-wise. And I would expect her to, to bounce back in the not-so-distant yeah. future. No, I, I definitely think she's going to have some some good games. I, I think, you know, the troubling thing is the defensive end where, you know, I think we were kind of hoping that playing with more talent around her and less of an offensive workload would maybe allow her to play with a little bit more defensive intensity. And, you know, we did see her get out on the floor trapping a couple times, but then she would just kind of slowly jog back to recover instead of yeah, really she can't move that hard well. to recover. Yeah, so I think that was a little bit of a, a discouraging factor as well. But well, let's talk about uh, the player who I think was really – I mean, obviously, like, Stewart had a great game, but the, the most surprising, in some ways, element of this game was Jewel Lloyd, who had an amazing offensive game, but really just kind of stood out defensively to me as well. Yeah, I thought defensively Jewel was a stud. Uh, we, we noted several times previously that she had really improved defensively last season, but it seems like with Alicia Clark gone, she almost took that as a personal challenge, like, okay, I need to be the defensive stopper now, too. And this is something I think Lloyd has always had in her, just with how strong she is and with how athletic she is. But, I mean, she played terrific perimeter defense on pretty much whoever she was defending. Yeah, and for a large part, that was Chelsea Gray. And I wasn't, I wasn't sure if Lloyd was going to have the strength to really contain Gray the way that she did, but Gray really couldn't get anything going. Uh, particularly in the, the first half, Gray was one for five in the first half with just one assist and two turnovers. And Lloyd was all over the place, right? Not only individually guarding Gray, who... Uh, ended up really not being a factor at all in the game, but no, also, you know, in team defense as well, you know, on some of those um, pick and pops where Seattle likes to trap uh, the uh, weak side defender has to kind of come over um, and, you know, end up guarding the popper. And, and Lloyd was able to do that effectively. And she really digging down into post a couple of times to kind of force some tough possessions for uh, Vegas's low post players. And then offensively, 22 points on 17 shooting possessions. She started, I think she was uh, four for five in the first quarter. You know, she missed, I think her first shot was a pick and roll three off the bounce that, and then she ended up hitting her next four, including like three just absolute blow by layups uh, where she ended up with a wide open layup all by herself, getting by either Jackie Young or Raquana Williams, uh, and then hitting a tough step back in that quarter as well. Six for eight in the paint for Lloyd for the game, uh, only ended up two for six from three, but even the two that she made, I thought were really positive signs where, you know, she started the second half, the first possession of the second half with a really nice catch and shoot three on the move, you know, coming all the way over from the left side, the weak side, down the baseline and around uh, a screen from Ezzy Magbiger, kind of catching it coming up from the corner above the break. And she hit that same exact shot with five minutes left in the game as Vegas was kind of cutting the lead. They had cut it down to nine after Sue Bird got hurt and ended, uh, exited the game for a couple minutes. And Jewel Lloyd hit that shot, got it back up to 12. And that was kind of the, the dagger of the game. Um, but yeah, Lloyd was awesome in this one. She really looked under control like the entire game. It just seems like the game has slowed down so much for Jewel Lloyd recently. She's always been able to get to the cup, but the ability, I mean, you said it, blow bys of everybody, of, of everybody who was trying to guard her. She blew, she blew by and she finished with, with ease. And this was, this was like peak Jewel Lloyd for me. Um, and without letting it, you know, uh, defer, uh, deter from her defensive effort too. You know, if she can, if she can do this, I mean, I don't think that's an if anymore, you know, playing this well on both ends of the floor is a significant development for Lloyd and for Seattle. Yeah. I think her, her overall, overall efficiency for the game, I think was dragged down a little bit by like trying to kind of really, uh, you know, put the nail in the coffin late in the game, taking some pretty ambitious three point attempts, but still a positive game in terms of her efficiency. And, and she was great on, on both ends as we've been talking about. So where should we go from here? Let's talk about the Aces a little bit. I think it was, you know, they, they started pretty well with, with Cambage and Wilson really uh, really asserting themselves inside, but I, they got away from it pretty quickly, actually. And um, I don't, it's just not something they were really able to recover from. Aja Wilson had a terrific game, but Cambage really couldn't stay on the floor. Why? Well, I think it was, I mean, offensively, you know, it looks perfectly fine, you know, 16 points on 13 shooting possessions for her. So it's not like she was just kind of throwing up a bunch of, no good shots, right? It was just, in my opinion, like one, you know, Bill, I think has talked a little bit about having a minutes restriction early for Cambage as she, I guess, kind of gets herself uh, back into WNBA shape, I, I suppose. I mean, I, I think 
we had seen some comments along those lines. But, you know, it was just kind of a mess defensively out there for Vegas. I thought their communication was really bad. You know, their scramming on switches, I think, was was really sloppy. You know, Cambage was a part of that, but it wasn't all her. You know, I don't think the guards were were too great there either. Um, and yeah, how many times did Kelsey Plum get switched onto a big? Yeah, and then the help coming over was late or she was late getting back to the guard. Uh, it, it happened a lot, and I think it really kind of uh, killed them in, in a lot of ways. And that play that I mentioned earlier about Dupree setting that screen up high for Stewart to get that open three, like that's able to happen. Wilson it ha- like gets caught on that screen, and there's no one to guard Brianna Stewart at the three-point line because Liz Cambage is playing all the way back in the paint. So, I mean, that's such an easy opportunity for players who are not being guarded all that much where they're standing like Cambage was not doing for Dupree to generate a a wide open look for somebody else because their defender the person that should be helping on that screen is playing way back so you know it's it's going to generate an open look and I thought that was the case a lot of the time in terms of Ezzy Magbiger's open three-point shot you know Cambage was just not really guarding her out there Um, the two wide open layups that Magbiger was also able to get came from either just a miscommunication between Cambage and Wilson or a blown scram on a switch, something like that. So, you know, defensively, it was not a great game for Liz Cambage. You know, I have effusively kind of praised her defensive season in 2019, but if we're going to get kind of more pre-2019 Cambage, and this is only one game, obviously, but if that's the the version of, of defensive effort and, and communication that, that, you know, Cambage is going to show this season, I think, Vegas could have a hard time kind of hitting the the ceiling that we expect them to. Yeah, I agree. And and what they what they say the best what's uh, the best availability or the best ability is availability. I mean, if you're only playing 19, if you can only play 19 minutes because of either poor conditioning or, or defensive struggles, it really does put a cap on the ceiling. I mean, that, that's a good way of putting it. And you really saw when Ezzy Magberger was on the floor because unlike Dupree, Magberger was able to keep moving and keep attacking the glass and just bring that relentless energy. And I think she only played 14 minutes, but I mean, it seemed like she played 20. She just wore on the aces so much. Yeah, she was really great in a low usage role. You know, she only ended up with four shot attempts, but they were just about as open as you could possibly imagine. Uh, You know, a couple wide open ones underneath, as well as the open three that she was able to hit. And she did, as I had mentioned before, a really great job on Cambage. Cambage, uh, had a really effective night from the floor, but I, a lot of that was, you know, when Dupree got caught on her, I, I'm not sure. And I wanted to actually look this up and go back and track it. I wasn't tracking it while I was watching the game because I assumed that I would be able to go back and watch the WMA.com advanced box score video, but it's not available a day later. So that's a bummer, but uh, I don't think Cambage had a single make when Ezzy Magbuger was guarding her. I think that's, if I'm the storm, I'm super excited by this because Mercedes Russell still not with the team um, after completing her overseas commitments. But I have to wonder now, like, is Magberger going to leap Russell in the rotation? I know it's 14 minutes in the first game of the season, but I think Magberger brings something that Russell just can't, especially if you're playing such an aggressive defensive scheme. Do, do you agree? I mean, if she can hang in this matchup, like this would be the one I would be concerned about for Magbiger is having like the size and strength to guard against a Liz Cambage type. And she, she more than held her own defensively in this matchup. And obviously she has, um, you know, foot speed and athleticism that, that Russell just doesn't match. And, you know, this was something I had tweeted out while I was watching the game, but I don't think we should be surprised at all. If like the Magbiger Talbot lineups with Seattle's big three of Stuart Lloyd and bird ends up being the best five player lineup this this team has like that it just really kind of complement each other well on defense and you have enough kind of creation balanced with play finishing that that's going to be efficient play finishing right Talbot's not going to take long twos uh when she's finishing is going to either be at the rim or take the occasional three-point shot so I mean that that's some really great floor balance on both sides yeah that's that's a great point when you don't need a team full of all-stars it's it's about who complements each other the best and when you have a three player core of Stuart Lloyd and bird. It's about who complements their talents the best. Um, and yeah, Magberger and, 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 and Talbot do a great job of that on both ends of the floor. So, but yeah, let's, let's, let's get back to the aces for a second. One thing um, I wanted to point out was that uh, first sub of the game was not Dierica Hamby. It was Jisoo Park. Yeah. I thought that was interesting as well. And Hamby didn't really end up playing a ton of minutes at the four. She was primarily a three. She, she did get a, uh, some minutes there over the course of the game, but was mostly, playing at the three in park, you know, I thought she 
Park looked pretty good. Um, yeah. She she hit a couple shots over Brianna Stewart. Things still didn't go amazingly well with her. But, you know, the more interesting development about this, I think, is one, just kind of managing Hamby's minutes a little bit more. You know, only 22 minutes a game for Hamby, who, of course, is coming off the injury last season after playing a ton of minutes coming off the bench and playing a lot of, you know, the Dierica Hamby where she would just sub in and then never leave again. Uh, we did not see that today, which I think is a positive development. Like, I don't think that's just like the best thing you can do for your players' bodies. Um, but the other thing is, is like that Hamby just probably isn't a three at, on against this team. You know, there are some teams where you can kind of uh, get away with playing Hamby at the three, but I think this team is a little bit too athletic. Uh, they, they can hang a little bit too much in terms of Hamby's size on the perimeter. So not a great matchup for her at the three. I think she'd be a little bit better suited as a four against the Storm. I'm honestly wondering like how the Aces approach is moving forward because even though Hamby and maybe Cambage for that matter are both on pretty strict minutes restrictions, look at this roster. I mean, it's not a very deep roster right now anyway. And with, with Angel McCartry being injured, how do they approach this? Well, I think Hamby at the three is, is going to be their best lineup from a talent perspective, right? She's just a better player than Jackie yeah. Young. The other thing you could do, it's either Hamby at the three or you're playing Raquana Williams, Chelsea Gray, and Kelsey Plum together. And, you know, Chelsea Gray has plenty of experience as a functional three, right? You know, she doesn't guard point guards and she doesn't get guarded by point guards as much as people want to call her the point god because she runs, you know, she runs the WNBA offense, right? She's yeah. the one running pick and rolls. But, you know, there's two point guards in the league, essentially, that are guarding her on a possession-by-possession possession basis. So it's not like she doesn't have experience doing that. But something tells me, you know, we're talking about Bill Embiid here, so I don't think he's going to play all three of those players together too frequently. Okay, and the one thing he, he did say is that he brought uh, he was bringing Kelsey Plum off the bench, uh, bench because she could get more shot attempts coming off the bench. Which, I mean, she, she did manage to she get did, yeah. 10 shot attempts in this game, 11 points on uh, 11 shooting possessions, but it still didn't really feel like the offense really ran through Kelsey Plum or Chelsea Gray, for that matter. You know, it was a lot of running things through the, the mid-post almost. Uh, and I, I just feel like the Aces really didn't generate a ton of quality looks. I mean... Maybe that's just kind of the way that I look at how, sort of like the shots that they take, but like it, it just seemed again like a lot of kind of like long twos, mid range twos, like non restricted paint twos. You're kidding me. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> it's hard to believe, but, but yeah, I, I you know, and, and Kelsey Plum, this is her first WNBA game in a while, right? So it's not surprising that she didn't have her most effective game, but I would have just, I think. Bill is going to have to, not have to, because he probably won't, and they'll probably be fine, but I would like to see them just play to their guards' strengths a little bit more. Like, yes, you have two dominant low-post players, but those players can be dominant pick-and-roll players, too. Like, you can you can do things that fit both your guards and your bigs well. You don't have to just kind of dump it down and have the defense collapse and have Jackie Young's defender, like, never leave the paint and uh, just kind of double team on, on post-ups all the time. So it was a little bit of a, a frustrating experience in terms of kind of what Vegas was, not even what they did, but like what they were trying to do. Well, whatever they try to do, they need to get more out of Chelsea Gray. Because for me, this is a tremendously disappointing debut for her. Like you mentioned earlier, just little to no impact, which is strange. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say this after one game, but is it strange? Like, honestly, is it strange after the playoff performances? Well, you did, you, you did mention previously that she's kind of been on a decline, uh, like, athletically speaking, which I, I did notice. Um, who, I don't know, I forget who she was, but she had a, he was going to the hoop and, and she, she couldn't finish through contact or something like that against a smaller player. And, and I was like, how, how does she not finish that? Like, is, has she just, like, totally lost a step explosively? She's only, what, 28 years old? Yeah, obviously with uh, a history of a pretty bad injury, you know, years ago, but obviously she's had great seasons since then. But I mean, I, I, I don't know what it is with Chelsea Gray, why the effectiveness just hasn't been quite the same as those kind of first couple seasons really bursting onto the scene uh, with LA. But, you know, we've seen a, a dip in efficiency each year. We've seen consecutive seasons of really disappointing playoffs. And then, you know, starting the first game of the year with a tough one as well, uh, seven points on eight shooting possessions for Gray, three assists and three turnovers. So, I mean, she, the, the Aces as a whole, you know, they, they assisted, a, I guess, a, a pretty decent amount of their baskets. You know, the ball wasn't sticking necessarily, but Gray was not really, you know, the impact player. And again, a lot of that is Jewel Lloyd, right? Like Lloyd was awesome. It should be stated again. 
Yeah, Lloyd was really good. And I think even if Chelsea Gray has lost a step athletically, and I don't even think that's an if anymore, but she can still pass the heck out of the basketball. And as you alluded to, Asia Wilson is not fun to see rolling to the basket if, if you're a defender. So I, I do think you need to get away from just, just the constant post-ups and an offense that does that, like you said, the ball sticks. Only six turnovers for the Aces, the Aces, which is good. But like, again, if you're not passing it, that's, that's going to happen. So I'd like to see them get a little more creative and at least try to generate some better looks going to the rim. They are going to, I think, like I said previously, when we first started talking about this game, they, it's not going to be often that they get outshot at the free throw line. And it's also not going to be often where they get out rebounded like this. So I think they will, you know, their, their strengths will come around sooner rather than later, but there were some concerning things here in this game. Yeah, and 3-for-12 from behind the arc overall for the Aces compared to 12-for-27 for Seattle. And as was tweeted at us earlier today by our friend uh, over at uh, Pivot Analysis, like, it's just, it's a math problem, right? Like, if you're taking a disproportionate of your shot from long two and you're giving up a lot of threes against, you know, this isn't the 2020 Dallas Wings, right? Like, this team can actually can some of their threes. That's going to be hard to keep up with when you're not really shooting them or, or making them when you do shoot them. And the other thing, uh, you know, Asia Wilson's first uh, attempt of the game was a nice uh, flare out three coming off a screen, looked great. And then we didn't see another one, you know, after that. Uh, and she ended up having a pretty efficient night. But after that, we saw, um, I think, you know, four long twos in a row from Asia. Uh, I think she went one for four on those. And again, she ended up coming around on her night overall, 24 points on 20 shooting positions. But just take a couple more of those from from where you shot that one and, and made that one rather than, you know, kind of jab stepping into the the contested long two. But, you know, it was it was a good game for Wilson. I thought she was okay defensively, but I think the the infrastructure around her was definitely not as we expected it to be and as we've seen it be defensively in terms of their communication. You know, this was one of the best defenses in the league uh, and a team that did not give up a lot of points in the restricted area or at the free throw line, which they obviously did in this game. And one thing I want to mention uh, moving forward, I believe Kelsey Plum is, is, is set to miss some time um, for the USA basketball three-on-three tournaments. Not good. Not good for the Aces. What do they do in, in her absence? Yeah, I think we're going to just see a lot more of, uh, a lot more initiating responsibilities, I guess, from Jackie Young. They don't really have like the the guard depth to lose a Kelsey Plum. Um, no. I mean, they're going to they're gonna get a hardship exception probably, but... I don't think there's any player on the market who can realistically come in and, and replace what, uh, what what Plum brings to this team. So it's it's going to be a struggle for them moving forward. But like I said, they're not going to get outshot at the free throw line too often. So I think they just got to hope that, you know, the gray comes around, that Cambage is able to stay on the floor, that Hamby is able to stay on the floor. I mean, minutes restriction or not, I I just didn't really get the sense that she was that effective. But I don't know, like, like she was able to get drug, uh, a foul. I think it, maybe it was Katie Lou Samuelson, who I, I must credit. Um, she wasn't bad. You know, like I, I have concerns about her defense, but she didn't really get caught down there too often, if I recall. No, no I think Samuelson was, was okay. I think, you know, it, it didn't look great defensively all the time, but it was okay, I think. Um, it was okay, okay. You want to move on to the second game or you have anything more? Well, can we mention Brianna Stewart? She's really good. Oh yeah, she had a had a decent game <laughs> in this one. Twenty eight points on twenty three shooting possessions for Stewart, and I thought she again she picked up that early foul on Cambage, you know, early when she was matched up against Liz and Asia was able to kind of really hit a couple tough ones on her. But I thought she she had a, a pretty great game on both ends. It was what we've come to expect from Brianna Stewart, and that's inside scoring, outside scoring, um, really really nice moving moving without the basketball. Uh, she's so good at like making those sharp cuts and, and, and diving to the hoop and, and then taking advantage of mismatches as well. Um, and then handling it, you know, you know, handling the ball, bringing it up in transition and, and either using the, uh, using the drag screen that they like to run with, with their other big on the floor or, or hitting uh, players for open transition threes. It was, um, I mean, man, it was a statement game for, for Stewart, I would say. I mean, similar to, to Asia though, there were definitely some shot selection in her game in that game where I was just like, you know, we, we probably could have gotten a little bit of a better look there. Uh, if you're a storm fan, you know, some tough kind of dribble long twos, but mostly it was, it was paint twos and it was threes, which is going to lead to a pretty efficient night when you are one of the best shot makers in the world. And, and to your point there, I think that's going to be something that that Stuart and maybe the rest of the storm for that matter are going to need to figure out. 
Um, cause last season it was, it was what, it was like, just, just swing the ball around and you'll get an open three somewhere. That's not going to be the case for most of their lineups. I mean, maybe with Samuelson and, and Talbot's playing time with the three, but Dupree is, is, is the player who's going to like really put a damper on that, I would say. So that may fall on Stewart to do a little more self-creating and, and maybe end up in some, some less than ideal situations on like the elbow area there. But I don't know. I think this is like, just like an MVP caliber performance even with the awards. Uh, and I did think, you know, Seattle as a team, they, the, the ball was pinging around pretty good, right? They, oh, that was terrific, yeah. Yeah, they had some uh, some great ball movements, some great extra passes to generate corner threes, uh, which is always something you want to do here. But uh, anything else on this one? No, uh, just Seattle looked really, really sharp. It's hard to believe that it was the first game of the season for them. It's It was a statement game. Yeah, I, anything I guess about the the three rotation uh, in terms of, you know, Kennedy Burke not getting minutes. And I, I guess we're still unsure about Herbert Harrigan, but she was definitely there. I saw her on the sidelines. Um, what do you think about, you know, Samuelson and Talbot kind of splitting the reps there? Um, I don't mind it. Like I, this is a game, which I don't think you really need Kennedy Burke. Cause which, which, which uh, like pr- big perimeter threats are the ACE is going to be going to often, you know? Yeah. She would have made a little bit more sense with an Angel McCautry in the lineup. Uh, right. And we'll see kind of how that playing time continues to be uh, dispersed moving forward. But yeah, let's talk about Candace Parker's first game as a member of the Chicago Sky. Some more kind of interesting starting lineup decisions for the Sky and the Mystics in this one. The Sky ended up going with Dolson and Kalea Copper starting alongside Diamond to Shields, Courtney Vandersloot, and Candace Parker, of course. And then the Mystics, very limited in terms of the personnel they had available. Yeah. Um, their fifth starter was Teresa Plaisance, starting next to Tina Charles. But what did you think about the starting five for Chicago? Any surprises here? Well, first of all, it really, really stinks that Ezra Stevens is already injured. Um, that's that's a huge bummer. She's dealing with an ankle injury, I believe it is. And I um, think it's been re- reported that she's still dealing with her injury from last season. This isn't a new injury. This is still maintaining her recovery from last year. Well, she she was going to be on a minutes limit regardless as she recovered from her knee injury, which I'm okay with. But I mean, but, if she's... Yeah, but as the great Richard Cohen said, it's not a great sign if that minutes no. limit is zero. Yeah, not not good. Um, so I guess that's... The, I mean. The the copper over Quigley thing, I'm not surprised by. I think Copper really earned her she earned her keep last season. And first of all, there was nothing that nothing to change that in this in this game. She was terrific. But we we have talked about like James Wade isn't afraid to play offense versus defense with Copper and Quigley. It's not like Copper is like some kind of lockdown defender, but she's definitely better on that end than Quigley is. And she brings the transition play, just the blindingly quick athleticism and, and ability for these uh these Parker to Copper football passes, these touchdown passes, which is for the most part, like this guy's the most effective offense in this game. So, and the other thing is, you know, she might not be, you know, Ariel Atkins or uh, Elena Beard out there, but she's also not a player that the team is going to point to and say, okay, let's go after her yeah. again and again and again, which, exactly. you know, Allie Quigley uh, can be that player at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. But I do think, and, you know, I think this maybe contributed to the sky shooting 33% on two in this game. The spacing can still get a little bit tight when when it's this starting five. When you have Copper and DeShields out there without an Allie Quigley as kind of the you know the elite three point shooter. When you have Steph Dolson out there who's kind of standing around the long two range, looking to set screens inside the arc rather than an Azra Stevens who is going to station herself beyond the line or get all the way to the rim on a cut. Things can tighten up a little bit, and I think we saw some of that in this game. It did. Um, I was honestly not really impressed with this guy in the half court. It's funny. I, I've gotten a lot of pushback on it when, when I say like, oh, I, I think my team could have played better. I, you know, this isn't going to win a championship. And people are saying, what are you crazy? Like this, you're, you're, this guy looked amazing. I don't think they did. You know, the, the three-point shooting was great. Two-point shooting, not so great. As you alluded to, this is one thing I want to keep a track, uh, keep an eye on, like keep track of this, this season, Steven, is the pace, the overall pace. Because although this guy are going to have like a lot of free baskets in transition this year because of these Parker outlet passes and because of the shields and copper getting out in transition so easily in the half court, I think it might be a little slower, you know, just with both Parker and Dolson being up in the high post area, kind of initiating things. Courtney Vanderson is not going to be averaging 10 assists a game this year, right? For better or for worse. I mean, it's, it's obviously good if you have more, more playmakers in your lineup, but I agree. You know, it just seemed like for a lot of the game, the sky were just kind of, grinding their gears as they worked to to figure out like hey we don't have a tremendously ball dot we're not playing through just one player on offense anymore you know 
Yeah, and it was uh, a slog for Chicago. You know, obviously more so for Washington, but Chicago only posted, you know, an 86 and a half offensive rating. It's not like they were lighting the world on, on fire out there. Uh, and I mentioned the 33% shooting from two. So a bit of a struggle. But one thing I, you know, we, we got to talk about the first game of, uh, for Candace Parker. Yeah. Pretty much giving uh, Sky fans and, and WNBA fans everything to expect, you know, what, what you could expect from Candace Parker. The Sky started the game with, Dolson on Tina Charles and Candace Parker guarding Teresa Plaisance. And I liked that strategy, right? Charles is not going to kill you with a ton of length or a ton of explosion in the post. Right. So Dolson, who's, who's post liability, you know, it's not her strength, it's her length, right? Charles isn't really going to kill you in that way. But, and, and that will let Parker focus a little bit more on roaming and helping and kind of being a menace defensively on in help defense. Um, but we, you know, they, they did switch this up after Charles had like 11 points by the early or mid second quarter. Uh, and then from there, and I guess it kind of makes sense in a matchup like this where Washington just had nothing else going for them, you know, just focus on shutting down Tina Charles. And that's what Parker did. You know, Parker just completely erased Tina Charles. Once that switch was made, you know, she hit a couple threes in the first half. You talked about the outlet passing to Kalea Copper specifically, but also had a couple to Diamond to Shields. Um, so it was, you know, it was everything you kind of wanted to see from Kendall. Parker. Yeah, only 25 minutes, but she played really, really well in those minutes. Uh, even took a charge, which is pretty cool. I, I like to see that from a player, especially of, of her age and her stature. You know, she's she's not willing to get her hands dirty, if you will. Um, and she knows like what she needs to do in order for this team to really succeed. And that's and that set the tone on defense. Um, they, they talk about this on the broadcast a lot, but she was she was getting out there, she was communicating, um, her rotations were crisp. Uh, and like you said, she was able to Rome on defense, she had, she had four stocks, so one steal and three blocks, which is awesome. Just being disruptive, you know, and that's everything this guy needs from her on defense. Yeah, and um, I think that the best sequence for Parker was kind of in the the middle of that second quarter. She gets to the free throw line after an over the back foul, going for an offensive rebound. Then she blocks Natasha Cloud on the other end, gets an outlet to Kalea Copper for a layup in transition. Yeah, that was nice gets a, another block the next possession, you know, after giving up an offensive rebound to Tina Charles, but uh, the ball gets kicked out to a perimeter player. I, I want to say it was Atkins and Parker gets another block there. So it was an awesome game. Again, you know, once they kind of made that switch to Candace Parker on Tina Charles, you know, Charles really didn't get anything else going for the rest of the game. Parker just too strong, too long. Uh, those little turnaround and baby hooks and stuff that Tina likes to get in there. You know, it was mostly a, a lot of jump shots for Charles and uh, not at a very effective game for her but one other thing I wanted to talk about for Chicago was just the defensive pairing and the defensive intensity on the perimeter between Kalea Copper and Diamond DeShields. DeShields specifically guarding Natasha Cloud defending the point of attack I thought she you know maybe it's just kind of some eye test stuff but I thought she was awesome defensively. Yeah I agree you know DeShields I think had a mixed bag of a game she made some highlight plays but kind of the inattentiveness on defense was was not awesome. But like, I, I did notice the same thing. Like they, they did put diamond on the point of attack sometimes, which was encouraging just because of the trust. And I think it is, it is pretty clear just by watching her move that she is healthy again. So that's, I, I don't think this guy going to a championship without a healthy diamond to shields. And I was encouraged by at least how she was moving and how she was exploding, you know? Yeah. And she, she made a couple of plays defensively. You know, she drew that charge early on Ariel Atkins rotating over away from Natasha Cloud, who is a little bit more of a, you know, an inconsistent shooter. She stole the inbounds pass right after that, you know, offensively a little bit of a mixed bag, you know, her creating for herself is, you know, still not Chicago's best look, I think, but I thought those two defending Atkins and Cloud was a big reason why Chicago really kind of struggled getting anything, generating any kind of quality looks. And of course, you know, Washington had a night that you can't really expect to, you know, replicate as a defense four for 30 from three for Washington. They just couldn't really hit anything. The combination of cloud Leilani Mitchell and Teresa Plaisance went like one for 17 from three, those three specifically. So just could not get a shot uh, in from their starters. And then their bench also went one for um, one for six. I'm sorry, one for seven from behind the arc. So uh, not, it, yeah, it was, a little bit of a slog for them. You know, I I think they, early on, I think they were kind of generating some decent looks and you were just like, all right, this is just kind of, you know, make or miss league type, type stuff. But um, the defense was definitely 
uh, a plus for Chicago. And, you know, it was just a lot of kind of, it, it was really jump shot oriented, right? They, they weren't kind of the threes that we would be used to seeing from Washington for the most yeah, part. Yeah, normally I would say don't get into a jump shooting contest with the Mystics, especially if you're this guy. But, I mean, there's a difference between Deladon and Miesemann taking these jump shots and, and Teresa Plaisant's taking these jump shots. You know, all, all due respect and, and, stuff, and, and that stuff. But the Mystics, they got 14 offensive rebounds. Like, how many of these threes are like open threes off of offensive rebounds? Like a handful, right? Yeah, they, they did get a couple off the glass for sure. Atkins, uh, that was kind of like her, the strongest element of her game really uh, on offense was crashing the glass as, you know, like we saw from her uh, her rookie year, I think was a pretty good offensive rebounding year, but but it was a struggle for Atkins overall. You know, she hit her first three of the game. Uh, her first shot of the game was a three. And then early in the second half, she she corralled an offensive rebound and, and got a put back. And those are really her only two baskets of the entire game, so. Yeah, and that and that's that's one of the reasons. That's one of the uh, aspects of of DeShield's game. I was not impressed with is she let Atkins pretty much roam around and grab those offensive rebounds. But yeah, I mean, you said it, make or miss league. That that's one of the reasons why I wasn't really happy with this guy's performance as a Sky fan. Like they gave up so many open threes, and yeah, they missed. But I don't know. I'm. I think that you need to do a better job of what's a KYP. Know your personnel. The Mystics got enough open looks to score more than 56 points, you know? Yeah, you're not going to get 0 for 5 shooting from Leilani Mitchell every no. night or, um, or 1 for 8. You know, T- Teresa Plaisance has struggled over the last couple of years, but she looked pretty good in this one just from a, a mobility standpoint, and she's not going to shoot 1 for 8 from behind the arc. I mean, for someone who's been coming off back problems, yeah. I'd say she looked pretty good. Um, and the other thing for the Mystics, you know, they were without Deladon, they were without Maisha Hines-Allen, so you hope that, um, you know, that can eliminate the Teresa Plaisance and Erica McCall minutes and and McCall, I think was particularly had a rough go of it in this one, but you're still, you know, you got 15 minutes for Kira Leslie, 15, 16 minutes for Shavante Zealous, 12 minutes for Stella Johnson. Like, you know, maybe Leslie can, can give you something at, at the WNBA level, but I don't really know if any of those three players are rotation caliber players uh, outside of Leslie. I, I do think, you know, Leslie just had a rough game, but, for 27 minutes between Stella Johnson and Shavante Zealous, like that's where where else are those minutes coming from? Maybe it's Sydney Weiss when she gets reintegrated. I once- think I, I think Leslie is has the biggest potential for a two way impact. Although her overall impact on the game, I think, is still going to be limited. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this that, that wing rotation was not great. Um, Zealous, this is a great example of how big overseas stats. Like she played, she's played tremendously in Turkey this past off season. Um, they don't always translate to the WNBA. Stella Johnson, I know they really liked her. Uh, she she played pretty well in, in, I don't want to say garbage minutes last year, but she had an opportunity and she seized it. But it's a big downgrade from Deladon, Misevin, and Hyde Allen to what they put out there. And yeah, but uh, I don't know, like, how much how much does it matter when you have Tina Charles being as inefficient as she was? 14 points on 18 shooting possessions Yikes. for Charles. Almost all of it, you know, coming just from from jumper range. Uh, three turnovers to zero assists for Charles. And, you know, again, this is not the um, the surrounding talent that Charles can expect to be playing with for, you know, the, the duration of the season. But you still had Cloud, Mitchell, and Atkins out there and a floor spacer in Teresa Plaisance. And uh, Charles still not able really to have an efficient night and, and what small semblance of efficiency she was able to get was, was from getting all in to the, the first quarter. Yeah. All in the first quarter and from getting to the free throw line uh, for five shots, she was five for 16 from the floor. So it was a pretty ugly one for uh, the former MVP. And this is, this is one thing like I've seen from Tina Charles so many times in her career, she'll start really well. No, she's got, she's got great footwork and great balance and, and her post moves look really pretty. Um, And then she'll kind of drift out to the perimeter, to the mid range and later in her career to the three point line. And she'll just take jumper after jumper after jumper. And that's not what this team needs for her. No, especially when, I mean, she did go one for three from behind the arc. So it's encouraging that she at least. Yeah. Great. She made 25% of her team's makes, but yeah. <laughs> uh, and she made her first one before missing the the, the last two, but yeah, it was a, a lot of just kind of, you know, 14 foot jump shot, 16 foot jump shot, not a great duration of the game for Charles, who again, started off pretty well, the 11 points by, you know, midway through the uh, second quarter, uh, primarily with uh, Steph Dolson on her, but then 
just couldn't kind of keep it going once Candace Parker and Astu do fall took over those responsibilities. Um, a couple other things I wanted to mention just, just for this guy really briefly. Uh, they did bring back Brittany Boyd Jones on using the hardship exception. Um, I thought she was like, okay, you know, but you did also see Allie Quigley bringing the ball up a little bit. And that's something that I, I kind of wondered if they were going to do not because Shiloh Hill, I believe just arrived in Chicago today. So she's not going to be ready for at least a few more days. So just for the time being, point guard depth still may be a little bit of a problem, you know. But I, if I can jump in, it, it yeah. has to be a little bit of a positive development, even against this kind of shell of a WNBA team that, you know, we were wondering if if we were going to see any minutes without Sloot and without Candace Parker. I think we were both kind of advocating that they should maybe keep one of those players on the floor at all times. But Wade did go with two stints with both of those players on the bench and the first time, you know, it was 14-14 when Chicago entered their first kind of stint with Sloot and Parker both on the bench. Uh, I think it was Sloot that sat second out of those. And then it was, I guess it was 26-21 when Parker finally came back. Chicago was able to outscore Washington by five in those first minutes. And then in the second half, they outscored them again in the no Parker, no Vandersloot minutes, uh, only by one. But even just kind of like holding the tide and, and Brittany Boyd only being like a, an overall kind of minus two. And I think even some of that was in garbage time. That's a positive. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take it. Based, like compared to like the total atrocity that with the non-Vandersloot uh, minutes from last year, I'll take that. You don't need your bench to outscore the opponent by 30 points. You need your bench to at least hold the tide, as you said. So, you know, Boyd Jones, I don't, I don't think she's going to stay on the roster you know, once, once heel's ready, but uh, it was decent. You know, it was decent enough. But like that second half, oh my God. Sky, 24 points in the second half. Mystics, 26 points in the second half. This is why we saved this game for second, talking about, because ah, not a lot of offense going on. Yeah, a couple other quick notes I have. It was a, a Bit of a tough game for Steph Dolson. One, four, eight from the floor. Four points on nine shooting possessions for Steph. 0 for four on non-paint twos and zero three-point attempts. So your role players just can't be taking long twos instead of threes uh, on catch-and-shoot opportunities. Granted, she didn't make any of them anyway, so it doesn't matter, but that's not helping your your spacing, right? And three turnovers to no assists, so we didn't even really get the Dolson passing that you and I are so fond of. But, you know, one thing I did like was kind of that first stint um, with uh, with bench players, you know, keeping Dolson out there for, for Allie Quigley's first minutes, kind of getting their chemistry going. Uh, didn't really result in anything positive as nothing positive really happened in this entire game, it seems like. <laughs> but it was a, a, a interesting rotation thing to see and, and kind of a tough night overall for Steph. Okay, so, well, the one thing that stood out to me about Dolson was that one play when I think I think they put her in the pick and roll. It was her and DeShields or something. They tried to ice the pick and roll and she still got blown by. And I was just like, are you serious? Like, you play like the most friendly possible pick and roll defense for your big and you still give up a layup. That's going to happen with Dolson on the floor, unfortunately. But when she goes one for eight from the floor and she three turnovers and no assists, you're counting on Dolson's offense to offset her defense, and that just didn't happen today. And, like, Stu and Dufal and Ruthie Hebert, they weren't that great either. So, I don't know. I, th- I think Chicago still has a lot more to work on. Yeah, and hopefully we'll just get a healthy Azra Stevens, which can yeah. help solve a lot of these problems. Uh, another quick note, you know, not a great offensive game for Natasha Cloud, but I thought she really disrupted things as a help defender, specifically mm-hmm. when Candace Parker had the ball. Uh, you know, I think Parker had four turnovers or three turnovers for the game, and Cloud might have been a, a part of all of those, just hard doubling uh, whenever Parker's kind of back was turned to Cloud, and Cloud was able to get her hands on that uh, quite a few times. You know, the other thing I wanted to talk about with Washington was just Erica McCall, like a lot of unforced turnovers. You know, she she just kind of missed the pass on a pick and roll with Leilani Mitchell. She leaked out in transition for an attempt in the first half for which looked like it should have just been like a, a nice, easy kind of catch, take step and, and finish the layup, but kind of fumbled it out of bounds. Yep. She charged into Candace Parker for that charge you had mentioned before for another turnover. So uh, she did end up, you know, kind of being a, an efficient offensive player uh with her nine points on uh, i guess 10 shooting possessions so so not even really but it looked pretty ugly out there at times for mccall you know they, they mentioned on the broadcast that there's a reason why mccall keeps getting picked up by teams and i understand that um just because of like her energy like like nine rebounds in, in 24 minutes but you mentioned like the offense was not great and that's that's the thing like these these players currently for washington who are on the bench are not 
they're being asked to do more than they than they than they can do. I, I think it's as simple as that. You know, maybe maybe uh, Stella Johnson can can become can have some good scoring games here and there, but everyone is just a step ahead of where or, or a step behind where they need to be. How do I want to say this? Like they're just being asked to do more than they can. Um, but referring to but going back to Cloud for a second, that's the beauty of Natasha Cloud's game. Credited with four steals, which is awesome, but certainly on defense, she did even more than that. She is the ultimate example of a player whose impact goes beyond the box score, right? That's something we've mentioned before. Yeah, I think maybe not today specifically, but yeah, she's she's definitely, you know, one of those players who kind of gives you the intangibles for, you know, as much as people kind of talk about that. And, and sometimes it means nothing. I think in Cloud's case, it, it means something. It does. But anything else on this? I think of all the kind of weekend games, this is the one that really felt the most like, you know, the first game of the season for both teams. Yeah, it felt like a preseason game. Actually, I would say the Sparks versus Wings was was the most preseason-y game. But, yeah, this one was was pretty bad, not going to lie. Um, that's what happens at the start of a season when you've got – I don't know. I mean, the, the practice conditions are obviously better than they were in the bubble. And But when you've got players who are coming and going from overseas and stuff like that, it's going to take time, especially in Chicago's case. Because, like I said, when you're so used to Vandersloot just dominating the basketball and now you suddenly have a forward in Parker who can do all of that stuff as well, it's going to take some time when you're getting the chemistry together you're probably going to be running a lot, a lot of different sets on offense. You don't need to rely purely on motion as much, but you know, I mean, it's, it's going to take some time. And then for Washington, we mentioned it several times. They're missing like three of their four best front court players, spicy take, maybe their three best front court players. So yeah, Ex- expected first game struggles for both of these teams. Where do they go from here? Both this guy and the mystics. Well, the Mystics just got to hope they get their good players back. Otherwise, I think it'll be more of the same. I mean, again, Leilani Mitchell will play better. Cloud will uh, not shoot as poorly. And only 21 minutes for Atkins because of some quote-unquote foul trouble. Uh, but, you know, she finished the game with four fouls, so maybe she could have played more than 21 minutes. You're allowed six, yeah. by the way. I'm not sure if uh, coaches know that. So unless the, the team has... Uh, it's weird. Like, like, like they, they, they allow fouls to dictate when they take... Like, foul trouble is when you take a player out of a game. Uh, how many fouls she actually has so (laughs) yeah so so we'll we'll see some improved uh shooting from atkins you know she wasn't really able to kind of create anything for herself i I don't think that's really her role uh as a creator but for the sky you know i i I do think in order for them to kind of get the the best version of themselves you're going to have to have some better offensive games obviously like i mentioned 86 offensive rating and you just kind of look up and down the box score you know vandersloot was one for four dolson was one for eight uh, DeShields was three for nine. So not, uh, Quigley was two, Quigley for, nine. two for nine. So not, not a lot of, uh, effective performances or efficient performances offensively for some of the kind of biggest names on this team, but it was able to be enough because, uh, Washington went four for 30 from three. Yeah. Make or miss league, make or miss league, but that's pretty much all I've got for the, for this game. Um, pretty ugly. I think both of these offenses will come around, but yeah, Washington just needs his best players back. Yep. Cool. Ready to wrap up. Let's do it. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. It was great to watch live basketball uh, for the 2021 season instead of some old games for research purposes. But uh, hopefully you all enjoyed uh, your weekend full of games and enjoyed this episode. If you want to support the show, you can uh, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast. You can tell a friend if you think uh, someone you know might enjoy us as well. You can follow us on Twitter at WNBA at Nemchak E for Eric's personal account, at Trinkwald for myself. And I think we'll be back next week for another game or hopefully a couple closer games. All right. Take care, everybody.